The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. Good to have you all here today. Good to have those of you joining online as well. Again, like I said last week, there are several of you that I know are attending online, and and I miss you, man. I know you're there, and uh, it's just kind of weird not getting to see familiar faces that you're used to seeing, and uh, it's encouraging to see all of you who are here. I don't want to make you all feel like I'm not encouraged that you're here, but uh, certainly miss uh, many folks that, that are staying home right now during this weird time, and pray that all of this kind of gets behind us uh, soon. I'm hopeful uh, that it will. Let me give you a little bit of an update um, on some of the projects, and and let me give you a disclaimer as well. Okay, there's one or two things that are going to happen today. I'm going to be like hard to listen to and um, like flat, or it's going to be a really good sermon. (laughs) And the reason being is because I was up here really late last night. I I got to sleep about 4.30. And so either the Lord's going to carry me or he's not, and we'll know at the end. Uh, But so there's a little bit of a disclaimer for you. But we are nearing our our portion of the the phase in preparation for uh, WOW coming in. They'll be here the week of the 24th, and they'll take all that we've done to the kids' ministry area, and they're going to bring WOW to it. That's what they do. So some really cool stuff. You can look at the vision board out here on your left on your way out today and see some of the things uh, that they're going to do here in the next couple of weeks. So that's very exciting, and we're, we're looking forward to that. And I've been uh, meeting with a lot of uh, different who I've been talking to and trying to find different subcontractors. Um, and so I'd encourage you and, and ask you about the exterior project. I ask you to join me in prayer. Like pray that the Lord would give me favor uh, and that as I speak to some of these guys, a lot of times what can happen is, is they can be, um, they want to they participate in what's going on in the kingdom and they can do favorable things for, for the kingdom and, and sometimes take jobs and do them at a reduced rate. And so I just ask that you join me in, in praying over that and asking the Lord to bring the exact subcontractors that we need to do this job. And I would appreciate that. Thank you for those who are giving to the project. It's, we continue to, to receive uh, the those gifts and the uh, um, income has been awesome at the church. And so I'm, I'm really encouraged by that and just want to uh, keep you updated that things are moving forward, though it feels really slow right now. Uh, for me, it is moving and uh, just want to give you a little bit of an update on that. And the last thing before we jump into what I want to talk about is I want to welcome some friends of mine today. Um, the Vooses are here and I want to welcome them specifically, and I don't always do this, uh, but they are a spiritual family and uh, rock solid people who are just gifted at discipleship. And so I'm encouraged that they're here. I want to encourage them. And, and if you get a chance, meet them. They're wonderful people uh, and can speak a lot of uh, truth into your life. And I'm thankful that they uh, are with us today, okay? So here's the deal. In all of this project stuff, this sermon series has really been helpful <laughs> because we continue to catch ourselves when we're down there working and different people are coming up and working and we say, man, you're, no, man, right now you're getting focused on the minors. You got to stay on the majors. We got to get this thing done. Well, somebody else can do that. And so I find myself, it's been really helpful and really powerful um, for me to be focused in this series, uh, ma- majoring in, in the minors to, as I'm doing the project, to make sure that I don't major in the minors. Like I was looking at some boxes yesterday. 
uh, that were in the hallway, and I was getting ready to do some work, and I was going to take them out to the dumpster. And I looked at them, and I said, man, that's a minor. And I threw them in the classroom and said, the teachers will get that. Amen? Uh, and so it allowed me to keep moving. And you got to do that when you're doing a project. However, what we're doing right now is we're trying to focus and major on the minors. Now, what are the minors? They're the minor prophets, the last 12 books of the Old Testament, and they don't get a lot of attention. And so we're trying to really dig into these Old Testament books and see what the Lord would say to us uh, about how we're walking with him and how um, he would call us to different places of obedience in our own lives. And so we've been in uh, the book of Jonah. We started last week, man, and, and we saw that, man, we are prone to run instead of obey. That song we sang, uh, great old hymn, uh, come thou fount of every blessing. Like we are prone to wonder. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Man, it is in us. And so we are prone to wander away from things that the Lord calls us into obedience. Even after, uh, like, we're, we're prone to wonder and, and surrender to him in the first place, and when we do eventually surrender to the Lord and we're following him and he asks us and challenges us in a different area of our lives and says, hey, man, I want you to, I want you to go here, we're prone to wander away from that. And start to tell ourselves, no, nah, that's not, the Lord is really not asking me to do that. And that's what Jonah was doing, man, is he was prone to wander away from the call of God to go to Nineveh. And so we see that what happened to him because of his disobedience, it was costly. It cost the, not only him, uh, the fare that he invested to go on the trip to Tarshish, it also cost to the sailors all their precious cargo because this storm, it says, was sent by God because Jonah was giving in to his temptation to disobedience, and instead of being faithful to what God asked him to do, even though it was hard, he wandered away from it, and it cost him and the crew a lot. And then it led to a lot of irrationality. And that's what happens is when we wander in any area of our lives, um, as we're following the Lord and he, he lays out something for us to step into obedience and we wander away from that, we start to get irrational. And it doesn't matter if, you, if you've convinced yourself that you're following the Lord and you're right in this matter, is that you, you don't know when you're irrational. That's why we say, you're being irrational. And a person who's being irrational will say, no, I'm not. Uh, because they think they're not, be, they think they're being rational and they've talked themselves into something. And so you could become blind to what's happening around you uh, and, and this cycle of irrationality can set in and things get messy really quick. And so for a lot of people, life gets so messy that they hit, hit rock bottom. Now, that happened to me in my life. And I talked a little bit about that last week when, when I was, you know, about 22, man, I... I finally hit rock bottom at the age of 22 and the Lord got my attention. But what I would say to you is even after the Lord got my attention and I was faithful to him and served, serving him for years, that's not the only time I've hit rock bottom. <laughs> there have been periods since I've surrendered to the Lord that I've hit a rock bottom place in my life that the Lord has had to use things to get my attention and move me forward. And so rock bottom is a place that can be very familiar, and we look at Jonah, and he's there, and, and, uh, and, and we know that we may possibly uh, be there. You may be there today. You may have walked in the doors, 
and you're just at a rock bottom place. And you decided to come to church because um, you couldn't find any answers anywhere else. And so you thought, well, I'll go to church and try to make it through this. And so Jonah's irrationality um, looked like he was thinking to himself, I, I'd be better off dead, toss me overboard. Okay, instead of, instead of just walking in obedience, he's so irrational that he thinks that the storm God is trying to kill him. And so he says, throw me overboard and everything will, uh, will clear up for you guys and, and everything will be fine. And so we get to this place where Jonah um, is, is, is cry, he cries out to the Lord. Now, and so we're at a place, I didn't talk about this last week. We start in verse 17 of, of chapter one. And it says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And so someone said, what? I remember a guy, the first time a guy asked me this, I was young in the ministry, he said, well, do you believe that a, a fish really swallowed him or do you believe that's allegory? And I said, man, I believe a fish swallowed him. And I started to proceed to tell him how, why I believe in that. Well, there are a number of reasons. One, I believe in miracles, okay? Creation itself, if you believe that God created the world, like it has, you don't even have to be a Christian, but if you believe in that there is a God out there that created the world and you believe in intelligent design, then you've crossed over into the land of miracles. You believe that miracles are possible. And so I believe that miracles are possible. Um, and, and I also believe that it, the story that Jonah like it was a historical experience because Jesus made reference to it. He said, just as the prophet Jonah uh, was in the belly of the fish for three days, the Son of Man will be, uh, be in, you know, in the grave for three days. He said something to that effect. And so he made reference to it on a couple of occasions in the gospel. So Jesus certainly believed it was a real historical thing that took place. Third, um, God raised Jesus from the dead, okay? So Jesus is God, and he raised himself from the dead, and I believe that he raised other people while he was living from the dead, such as Lazarus. And so I look at that and go, well, if God can raise a man from the dead and a fish swallow a man, which one is harder? Raising the man from the dead is harder than a fish swallowing a man and him staying alive. And there are actually accounts of men, um, historical accounts of men being swallowed by a certain kind of whale, I think it was a sperm whale, um, and lived, and their skin was bleached and things of that nature. We look back in history, they have actually uncovered a coin that was uh, dated back into the, like uh, 500s or something like that. There's a coin with a man um, like coming, like you could clearly see that he's coming out of the mouth of a sea monster. And that, uh, somebody recorded that, an archaeologist I made reference to it in 1926 and identified the prophet as Jonah, okay? And so there's historical, like it's possible. These things um, can possibly happen. But here's the deal, man. We gotta get beyond what happens, like the miracle of what can happen inside of a fish and look at the miracle of what happened inside of Jonah. Because that's where, like if you get locked down on the fish side, you'll miss all of the really good stuff out of, uh, of the book of Jonah. And so here's Jonah, man. They toss him overboard and the sea, like it, it, it's no longer raging for the sailors. They're able to make it on. And we think that what happens is like, boom, boom. Like, but we don't know that. 
We don't know how long he was, he was in the sea. We th- I, would, I would presume it's been a while. I would presume that he went from an attitude of throw me over, I'm ready to die, to he's been out there treading water for some time. Because he says, and we'll see it in our text here in a moment when I read it, my life was ebbing away. Like it, and, and, and that word carries the idea of, man, it was fleeting. I was coming to a place to where, like as you read what we're about to read, you'll see that, that Jonah was, he probably even got to a place of so much exhaustion that he was about to pass out. And, and most scholars agree uh, that believe in the miraculous side of the story is that, that it was some time and he probably was like swallowed by the fish and he didn't even realize it until he kind of came to inside of the fish. You say, well, was it a whale? I don't know. It just says a great fish, okay? And so Jonah's out there, man, and, and he's like floating. He's treading water. His irrationality and has set in place, and God has finally got his attention, man, and he, and he cries out the Lord, to the Lord, and verse 2 says, for, or verse 1 of chapter 2 says, from inside the fish, let's look at this pray, prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Like if you're taking notes, man, underline that. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Now, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that prayer from inside of the fish. He didn't ask to be outside of the fish. He's just thanking the Lord that, that he, he realized when he was out there drowning and he realized, he, he recalled that, man, I prayed to the Lord and he appointed this fish. And, and so at this point, Jonah knows he's inside of a fish, okay? And he starts praying and thanking the Lord that salvation came. And he doesn't ask the Lord to save him from the fish. He's thanking the Lord that the Lord has saved him from drowning. But he's even thanking him for a deeper um, uh, blessing than that. And that is that he came to his senses and he repented and knew that he was disobeying God. And so he realized as he speaks in this language of those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. He was saying, I was clinging to an idol and my idol was myself. And so an idol doesn't necessarily need need to be an image that you're worshiping. It can be um, 
just something that you're holding on to that is coming in between you and your obedience to God as he calls out to you and he's inviting you to follow him and you resist, that is an idol. And so what happens is when you let an idol get between you and God, you are forfeiting the grace that could be yours. And so he's thanking the Lord and he has this prayer of thanksgiving that goes on from inside of this fish as, as he's thanking the Lord and, and, and so we see some things that we need to know about a rock bottom rescue. So if you're at rock bottom, um, or you feel like you're nearing there, or you encounter somebody, and they, you know they're at rock bottom. So maybe, maybe this is for you, maybe this is for somebody you're going to run into this week. But we all know that rock bottom is a real place. Uh, here's what you need to know about it. When you stop running, God starts rescuing. Okay? There's a lot of people, man, God help me. And they're just in a full sprint. God is not doing anything as long as you're running. Like at some point, you gotta stop and let God rescue you because he will use things that are, are spiraling out of control in your life to help you to stop and focus on him. And so when you stop running from God, that's when God initiates the rescue to bring you up from rock bottom. At first, you can manage things that are going on in your life. Like at first, you can manage it all, but eventually, fatigue sets in. Okay, so we have five small children, or we don't, we had five small children. We have five big children. And we used to take them out to eat when they were younger, and people would come up to the table, man, and it was encouraging to us as young parents. They said, man, your kids are so well-behaved. And that's because we spanked their rears when they were little bitty. Okay? And so they would listen. But there was a threshold. And we knew that there was, like, they, you could take them to a restaurant, and they would, you could manage for a certain period of time. But you had to get them out of there before you crossed that, or it was all going to fall apart. Okay, that's what this is like, is when you, you, you at first you can manage things, and, and the kids are probably saying, well, why, why do we not go out and eat as much? Like when you talk about that, you used to go out and eat. That's because we didn't used to buy y'all meals. You just ate off our plate. Now you cost a fortune to take out and eat, so we don't like to do it as much. And so, uh, uh, so at first, again, you can manage, but, but eventually it spirals out of control. And so Jonah, he just gives up. And he says, toss me overboard, throw me into the sea. He's drowning and God provides a rescue. All right. Oh, it's just, get this, okay? If you're there, man, you're at rock bottom and you've been trying to figure things out and you're saying, oh man, it's good news. God provides rescues. What you need to understand about this rescue is there is nothing glorious about being inside of a fish. Like, whoop. now you're inside, you don't know what. And that cannot be a comfortable place to be. And so God provided, but the rescue was not glorious. And there's nothing glorious about a, a, a rescue sometimes. Sometimes it, in hindsight, as we look at, at, back at it, it can be a glorious thing. But in the beginning, man, it can be a very um, a, a difficult thing. And so there's a period of uncertainty in the midst of the rescue. All right. So this goes on for three days. And so what you have to know is that when you are in a place of rock bottom and God, you stop running and God initiates the rescue, there is always a period of uncertainty. And so what do you do during the midst of that uncertainty? You wait and you pray. So you, you, just, you just hold up, man, and you wait for God to show you what to do next. 
and you just talk to him. And as you do that, you see God, he, he begins to move, and, and you, here's what you don't do, okay? Do not ask the Lord to let you do something he has clearly forbidden. Don't ask the Lord to let you marry a person that you know you shouldn't marry. Like if, you, if you're dating someone and, and, and they don't believe the same way that you do, don't ask the Lord to let you marry them because you're asking him to do something he has clearly forbidden when he says don't be unequally yoked and it's just gonna cause problems the rest of your life. Okay, so don't, don't ask the Lord to let you do something that you know he has clearly forbidden in his word. Okay, so you, you pray and you talk to him, you seek him out, and you allow him to uh, speak into your life and show you the next thing to do. Here's the second thing. You experience a gut check, all right? Inside of that fish, Jonah gets serious with God. We can see that in the prayer. Like, man, he, he realizes how disobedient he was. And, and what that is called is godly sorrow. And the apostle Paul talks about godly sorrow, and he says godly sorrow is good because it leads to repentance. What is godly sorrow? Godly sorrow is when we become broken over sin, and we realize that we're sinners. And we can look at our lives and go, man, I'm a broken mess. Like, I'm a sinner. I'm not holy like God. I'm, I'm broken and, and I like the Lord doesn't, he's not pleased with me because I'm a pretty good guy and, and you know, I, um, I treat my neighbors well and I try to give uh, to, to the homeless and I, I you know, I, I even give to those uh, places, those shelters where those animals are at. Those, you know, I remember I did that. You know, you start thinking it's the good stuff. No, man, godly sorrow is when you look at your life and go, I am offensive to God without Jesus. And, and when you realize that and you go, I'm a sinner, you, you realize you're helpless and there's nothing you can do to please God except confess that you're a sinner and so you will be broken over your sin. If you're, if you're, if you're familiar with that and you say, well, yeah, I know that. I, bet I experienced uh, the gospel when I was younger in life. I've been following the Lord a long time. Well, you can still walk in, in disobedience after you started following the Lord and you still need godly sorrow over your disobedience to recognize, man, I, I'm, I'm in disobedient to the Lord. Like, that's what's going on in Jonah's life. He has godly sorrow over his sin and it led to confession and repentance. Remember, he was going west when God told him to go east. And now he is, he's inside this fish. He realizes God has been good to him. He realizes God shouldn't have even appointed the fish and, 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 and helped him to reverse his attitude. But he's thanking the Lord. He's confessing. And he says, even in what I have vowed to the Lord, I will make good. And, and so now he's ready to go east like the Lord told him to do. And that's what repentance is. You're moving this direction in life. You stop running, you repent of your sin, and you move this direction. You do a 180. That's what um, the word means, is, is, is repent and turn away from your sin. Does that mean that you never sin again? No. It means that you have godly sorrow over sin. And it means that if you do sin, you're going to be upset with yourself about it. Because you know it's offensive to God, and it should be offensive to you because you are what? A new creation in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And so you no longer love sin. <laughs> sin is, there's a lot of cool stuff about sin. I remember my mom, she's here today. Um, welcome, mom. She used to say, 
well, sin is not fun. Wrong. <laughs> like, it is. Now, what she was trying to say is that it will cost you, and there's nothing going to be fun about the expense that you're going to have to pay about it. And so sin is enticing. And so what is sin? Sin is rebelling from God. Anytime God asks you to do something, and so sin is not always in this negative uh, things that are socially unacceptable. Sin can be a good thing that you fail to do. Like in Jonah's case, it was a good thing for him to go to Nineveh and preach that he wouldn't do it. And so since he didn't do it, he was sinning. And so God can ask you to do something and you don't do it. You're disobeying. So now you're sinning from God, sinning against God. And so what happens is, is that when we do this 180 and we are born again and we receive Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit falls upon us, he indwells in us, he lives in us, he makes us a new creature. Now we no longer love sin. We are to hate sin. And, and we don't hate it because we're trying to hate it. We just hate it. Because our spiritual DNA has just been shifted. We are born again, and we are alive spiritually, and we don't love what we used to love. And that's why friends will change when people um, get serious with the Lord. And those friends who don't get serious with the Lord, you know what they'll say about you? Well, Jim done got religion. <laughs> and so they distance themselves from you. Or they'll say, man, he's become a holy roller. And that's not what's happened. What's happened is, man, you... You just don't love what you used to love because God did a miraculous thing inside of you. He transformed you into a new creature. And so now you've developed a godly sorrow. And so you experience this, this gut check that leads to confession and repentance. And the uncertainty that's going on during the rescue is designed to get you focused on this. It's designed to get you to this place where you will pay attention to what's going on in your life. So Jonah, he knows at this point that he was inside of a fish. And he's probably thinking to himself, will I be digested? And that's some serious crap. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> so it takes time to get into a, to a mess, okay? It always takes time to get into a mess. And it will take time to get out of one. It's the law of reproduction. And Paul said, if you sow bad seed, you reap it. If you sow good seed, you will reap that also. And so whenever you're walking through a rescue, you, it's, it's the result of you've sowed some stuff that has grown up in your life. And so it's being reaped, and you've got to reverse that by sowing the right stuff and being obedient to the Lord, and that too shall grow, and you will reap it in the future. And so gut checks are healthy even if you aren't at rock bottom. It's good to have a gut check. And so Jonah begins his prayer, and this is what we see next. Things often get worse before they get better. Okay? So when the Lord starts rescuing you, Things often get worse before they get better. And we see that in verses two through six. Verse two, it says, he was already distressed and he thought he was dying from the grave he cried. Like he, he thought it was over. Verse three, he says, you hurled me into the deep. The current of your waves and breakers swept over me. He was threatened and his head was all wrapped up, it says in seaweed. That's, man, that, that's a rock. If, you know, if you've ever been at rock bottom, you're like, oh, yeah, that's rock bottom. That's, I've been there right there. Like your head's all messed up. You're like, what am I thinking? What was I thinking? And, and it's, you, things start, clarity starts to come. Verse 6, it, it definitely shows us um, that he hit rock bottom. It says, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. I mean, that's rock bottom right there. And so rock bottom will make you feel all these ways. Rock bottom will make you feel, even after the Lord starts to rescue you, rock bottom will make you feel like things are getting worse. 
Because they probably, to the way your flesh feels, they are getting worse. But spiritually, things are getting better. And so you got to be a person who walks by faith, not by sight. That's what these verses mean. They don't mean when you say, I walk by faith, uh, not by sight, it doesn't mean that um, you're walking in faith, that the Lord's going to give you a million dollars. No, it means that when things really are crappy in your life, you walk by faith, not by sight. Not by all the stuff that you see happening around you that feels awful. You walk by faith in the Lord that he is going to provide for you. And you realize that the provision may not be glorious because of your irrationality and the decisions that you made to be disobedient to him. And so he appointed a fish, if you will, to swallow you. And things aren't real good in your life. And they can feel like they're getting worse before they get better. But but, but things will eventually change. And so you may be there today. You may feel like you can't think straight. Things are out of control. And you're wondering, God is nowhere around. And so what do you do? You do the same thing that Jonah did in the midst of that fish. You just keep on hoping. And Paul says it this way uh, in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham hoped and believed so he became the father of many nations, just as it been, had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And see, he was married to, his wife was old beyond childbearing age, and he was promised by God that he would be the father of many nations, and he didn't even have his own son. And so what did he do? He hoped against the hope. All, from all standpoints in Abraham's life, flesh would tell him, there's no hope, you're stuck, and this is always going to be like this. But that's not what he did. He walked by faith, and that's why he's listed in the roll call of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, not by sight. He had his mind set on a city whose architect is God. He wasn't thinking about this earth and all the earth could provide for him. He was thinking about the promise, and so he hoped against hope, and God provided, and the Jewish people were born out of that promise and became a nation, and he is the father of many nations because out of that comes Christ, and all of the kingdom of Christ is a descendant of Abraham. And so the Lord, is, he always makes good on his promise. And so he hoped against hope. And so that's what you do. And, and, and God is leading the rescue. And so you just hope and you wait. And you wait and you hope until God shows you the next thing to do. And always know this, he will not put more on you than you can bear. He says, you know, when he, when he, when he realizes he's at rock bottom, he says, but the Lord like brought my life up from the pit, okay? And so you say, well, why does God do this? Like, why? what's going on here? Here's the last takeaway. God allows all of this to teach us that he's in control. See, this book, is all, this book is not really about Jonah. It's about God. And every book in the Bible is about God and his story to man. And, and it's about the sovereign control of, of the Lord. The call of God came to Jonah. Go and preach. Just like the call comes to us in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. All right, Jonah disobeys, and God did what? Sent the storm, and God sent the fish, and God, we will see, will send a vine, and God will send a word. It's just all about God, 
And so this, why does God allow these things to happen? To get us to stop and recognize that he is sovereign and he is in control and we need to learn to harmonize with that. And the church in America needs to wake up and quit just saying, Jesus is my savior. He is Lord and savior. And that's where we've messed up in the church. We've become so evangelistically minded that we just talk about the salvation side, which is extremely important because he can't be Lord if he can't save us. But he doesn't come as savior only. There is only one Jesus you will get, and that is Lord and savior, which means that we harmonize with his sovereignty. We walk in obedience, not disobedience. If you just claim Jesus as savior and not Lord, you can walk in your irrationality and still think you're okay because you've taken Jesus off of his sovereign throne and he's no longer calling shots in your life. He's just insurance so that when you die, you, you believe you'll be there. And I will say to you, if he's not Lord and Savior, when you die, you will not go to heaven. Like, that's the truth. That's the gospel truth. If, like, that's why Jesus said, many of these people came to him and said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Didn't we do all these things in your name? And he looks and he says, I will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And so that's what, like, like it's a call, the lordship, man. And when we learn to harmonize with that, then life becomes this incredible um, adventure where we're going along and now we're following um, Jesus as Lord and Savior and we acknowledge this and things begin to change in our lives. And we see that's what happened in, in Jonah's life. Verse seven says, when my life was ebbing away, what did I do? I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless, worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, he says, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord, okay? And so he recognizes Jesus, uh, he recognizes God as Lord, and we can say Jesus too, because Jesus is all over the Old uh, Testament, same, same thing. That's why we believe in Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He says, I, he acknowledges God, and then he realizes salvation has come from him. And so here's the thing, is that when he did that, and he confessed that God was in control, he was spit up. Look at verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. Okay. All right, so in the story of Jonah and the whale, man, I grew up with this story, like, in Sunday school. And say, you, you know, the whale swallowed him. That's so cool. And then the whale spit him up. And you kind of envision in your mind that he's in there, and he's praying to the Lord, and then all of a sudden, boop, and he just walks out to Nineveh. But that's not what it says. It says... The Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And what do we know about vomit? We know that Jonah did not smell very good. There was a lot that still stunk about his life, but things were changing and he was now headed in the right direction. And so you may be at a very 
low place in your life right now, and you may be having a hard time making sense of it all. And the lesson you may need to learn is that God is in control. Like he's in control. You may need to know this in order to accomplish something great for you uh, that he wants to use you for out in the future. And so that brings us to the big idea and we'll land this, this plane today. When you hit rock bottom, what you should do is sing Psalm 40 until God brings you out of the pit. Now, you too, they have a song it's uh, called Psalm 40. U2 has some spiritual roots, and it's a really cool song. So, so download it. Um, and it's called, like, it, it's, it's this psalm. It'll blow you away. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. And so like as we land this, and Sean, go ahead and come on up, is that this is what we need to know, is that salvation comes from the Lord, man. So like whatever you're going through, and so we, we don't only mean that your initial salvation when you meet the Lord and you confess that you're a sinner, invite Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. Um, we don't... Like, we, we don't only mean that salvation comes from the Lord there. We mean that even after that happens and we walk into disobedience in something and we know we've offended the Lord, is that salvation comes from the Lord. Is that when we find ourselves in a mess because we've walked away from what the Lord has called us to in obedience, salvation comes from the Lord. Like, when we feel like things are like, we've screwed up not been there. My life will never be the same. Salvation comes from the Lord. Not only will your life not be the same, it will be better if you will obey. If you will walk in obedience and listen to the Lord, he is, he loves and delights in his children. Like he says, man, it's not sacrifice and offering that I desire. It is obedience. What does that mean? I want your heart. That's what the Lord is after is your heart. Salvation comes from the Lord. And so you sing Psalm 40, man. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to hear my cry. You just, you just, just keep singing that in your heart. Make a melody in your heart. And say, man, I wait, I'm waiting patiently, Lord. You inclined and heard my cry. You lifted me up from the pit out of the miry clay. Oh, I'm waiting patiently, Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. And man, it may take a while to pull you out of that pit. And there may be some things that don't feel very glorious right now, but if you will trust him, man, he will bless your life. Like 30 years, like I've been following the Lord. And man, he just keeps pouring it on. Salvation comes from the Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.